good morning. Let's stand all over the house this morning. Let's sing the old hymn of the church, Old Time Powers, and let's worship the Lord. if they would come at this time. They're going to receive our tithes and offerings here in just a moment. We're going to pray over the offering this morning, and then you can bring that during uh, the meet and greet. But let's worship together and pray together. Father, we love you and we glorify you. Lord, we pray that you would bless this offering that we're about to receive. Bless those that have to give and those that may not have to give. If there's someone here today who doesn't have the ability to give, we pray at some point you'd bless them to be able to give give back to you for all the blessings you've bestowed upon them. Lord, we thank you that you brought many of our church people back from the brink of being sick. And Lord, they are in the house of God today. Some still are not feeling their best. But Lord, we thank you that they are here today. Father, there are still some that are not here because of that, of those not feeling well. We ask you to touch them today.
Father, we pray that the offering that is about to be received would be for the upbuilding of the kingdom of God and would accomplish the task it is sent to do. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray and ask all these things in the body of Christ together. Say amen. 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 Will you come during this time during our meet and greet and bring your tithes to the Lord. God bless you.
other things. There is no specific. Somebody asked me, so Pastor, y'all make us do specific things. No, I'm not telling you what to fast, like no meats or things. I'm just telling you if you'd like to join, however you want to do it. For some people, it's coffee. For some people, it's sweet. Um, you know, it depends on what's a sacrifice to you. We're not doing, is it a diet? This is not a diet. This is a time you spend praying and talking to the Lord. So for 21 days, starts this afternoon uh, after church. Typically, we start on Sunday afternoon, and we run it through the end of the month. And so if you want to join, there's a sign-up sheet in the back. You don't have to put your name and let us know who you are. But if you want to go by there and just check off, hey, I'm willing to fast on Mondays with you. or I'm a, You just check that day. You don't have to tell us your name. And you don't have to sign up. If you want it to be, you know, very confidential, that's fine as well. But we want to offer that to the body of Christ. Um, there are prayer guides and resources online at SantiCircleCOG.org. Uh, daily prayers, daily devotionals that we've already put out there that if you want to read or pray or whatever during that time, if you don't have access to the Internet or don't use that, if you let me know, I'll print you a copy. I just didn't make mass copies for us to waste paper in case nobody took them. But there are things that we normally you know, pray for specifically, etc. Not tomorrow night, but starting the 16th, uh, which is two, uh, not tomorrow night, but a week from tomorrow, the two uh, Mondays during this uh, 21 days of fasting and prayer. You're not required. This is not a, a special service where we're having you know, teaching and preaching and things like that. But we're going to have from 7 to 8 the church open for people to just stop in. If you want to pray, there will be worship music playing. I'll be here if you want to stop in and pray for five minutes, stop in. If you want to pray with us for the whole hour, join us. But during that hour block, we'll have the church open. Um, we have been casting the vision of reaching one person, one family, one community at a time. We've been going through all that. But some of you have talked to me in confidence and in privacy about you have grandchildren you want to see saved. You've got children you want to come to know the Lord. You have spouses that you want God to do something with. And, and, and I believe that prayer still works. I just believe in prayer. I believe it works. I'm not asking you to come every Monday night if you don't want to. I'm not asking you to stay for the hour. But if you want to come in any part during that 7-8 window and just pray, I'll be here. Others will be here. We just want to pray together. And we just want God to meet our needs and join together uh, with that. And at the end of this fast, on January 29th, after our Sunday p.m. service, we'll have our annual or monthly snack night. And we'll get to enjoy all the stuff we gave up. So if you gave up coffee, I'll make sure Brother Randy makes you coffee that Sunday night. If you gave up sweets, Brianna will make you peanut butter balls. We'll make sure you have something for that fast. But we want you to celebrate with us for all that God has done. Uh, also for our leadership teams, just you'll get more information. You'll get a letter sent out from me. But just go ahead and mark on your calendars the 4th of February for all of that. For all other information, you can find it on the website. It's out there under resources. All this information you can find. To all our online guests and all those that may be your first-time guests with us or a returning guest, we just want to say thank you for being with us today. We hope you feel right at home. You'll visit, whether online or in-house, again soon. If you need anything, please let one of our hospitality members know or one of the ushers, these fine gentlemen sitting up front, uh, or someone will be glad to help you. God bless you this morning. We're going to ask those coming to lead scripture and prayer if they'll come. And we will uh, jump right into worship right after that. God bless you. Good morning. And I'll guarantee you that the Lord willing, the creek don't rise on the last day that we have this. I'll have coffee ready. I promise. 
Proverbs chapter 3. I know I normally do Psalms, but I was doing some studying the other day. And you know how sometimes when you're studying your Bible and things just jump out at you? Well, this uh, Proverbs came to me and said, read this. So if you'll stand real quick, I'd like to everybody stand in the presence of the Lord when I read the word. It's an exhortation to obedience. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own heart. Eyes fear the Lord, and depart from evil in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel, and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the first fruits of thine increase. I can't talk this morning. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burn, burst out with new wine. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary for his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. How many fathers and mothers here have corrected their son or their daughter because they just needed some correction? Well, the Lord sometimes needs to correct us, and we need to understand that like a good parent, he's there for us too. I read this. I was doing a Sunday school lesson a few weeks back, and I said, you know, this is important. We need not to forget the law of the Lord. We need to do the things that he says for us to do because it will provide us long life. It will provide us for good for us if we'll honor him and obey him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise your holy name, Lord, for this opportunity to come before you in prayer and study of thy word. Lord, I pray that you will continue to abide with us and help us. You know those that are sick, the list, Lord, goes on. Pray that you will be with them and lift them up and strengthen them. Be by their side today. Those that can't be here to the work, I pray that you will provide for them, Lord, comfort and give them the wisdom and strength they need to conduct the job they've got to do. Be with our pastor this morning, Lord, as he delivers thy word to us, that we will take these words and use them this coming week for thy glory. Continue to abide with us and help us to do those things you would have us to do. For we ask all this in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. We're going to ask Sister Lila to come, and she's going to bless us with a selection this morning. You know, it won't be long for me that God's going to be calling me home. When I step inside that gate, I want to cry home. And I bowed on my knees.
Amen. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise in the house this morning? Oh, are you thankful to the Lord today? Are you ready to go to heaven one day? Amen, amen. We're going to ask you to stand all over the house this morning. The Bible teaches us that when Moses was getting the instructions from the children of Israel, for the children of Israel by God, God told them that they were going to go to a land that was flowing with milk and honey. And so this morning we're going to talk about that and sing about that. There's still a God that is supplier of all our needs and will bless us and minister to us. We love him today, so let's worship the Lord.
worship you, Lord, today. We glorify the name today. God, we just thank you for the mercy of God.
there's sometimes that if we're not careful and and what I call charismatic services or charismatic movements, Pentecostals, and people of that nature, we get so caught up on the emotional response that we forget what it's like to have to hear from God through His Word. I, I'm all about the presence of God moving. I love it when He moves. Sometimes it's not about how big the fire is burning, how loud the thunder is rolling, or how bright the lightning flashes. Sometimes God just talks in the still small voice. He speaks to us through His Word. And I believe that in this season that we have been talking to you about, reach, disciple, and pray one person, one family, and community at a time, there are people that are watching online. In fact, I had the distinct privilege of having a conversation with one of our members here just this week. It was calling me about some people she personally knows that are going through some, some a season of just uncertainty. Be the way I guess you put it. They are... You know, they go to church, but they just they feel like that there's more that they want of God. They just want more of Him. They're in this season of of, of, of just questions and, and what to do. And she called me and asked me, you know, did I tell them wrong, Pastor? Do something wrong? And I said, No, no, you you were spot on. And maybe God sent you there that day for that moment. Maybe the, the steps of a good man and woman or the Lord, He sent you there for that reason. But as she was telling me that story, Brandon was in the car with me, and we were headed off uh, to run a couple errands. And I began to think back into December of 2022 when I was asking God to give me clarity of what to go into the new year. There's a lot of people looking for a fresh start. They're looking for a reset button. Some of us in this room have battled COVID. Life had to be reset after COVID just did we are not as strong as we used to be we're not as healthy as we used to be we don't breathe like we used to breathe some of us have lost family members whether it was COVID whether it was congestive heart failure whether it was just old age in these seasons for the last couple of years we have seen loss some of our families be be not really lost we know where they are but 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 if you will pass away from this life and life reset because that person was no longer in our life we didn't have grandmama's house to go to or mama's house to go to or daddy's house to go it was different life hit a we had a reset button didn't mean life didn't eventually reset for us and but it still was a, a reset there's some in this room this morning and maybe watching online maybe you're now in the season of where you need a a reset a, a fresh start a change i'm not talking about just a change of career or a change of you know uh, family or anything like that that's not what I mean maybe you're just battling with some inner things in your own self and what you need more than anything else is not another good song that we sing on a Sunday morning not another good handshake from the preacher or a hug not that I don't love giving those I do but you don't need another honey in the rock song you don't need another uh, mercy or all the blood of Jesus song they're great that's not what you need today you don't even really need a good message from the preacher and be able to go out of here and say man the preacher was on point today that's not what you really need what you need is God that's what you need that's what you need now that doesn't mean the music or the preaching can't get you to him but some of us in this room may be at a, a place in our lives what we really need is we need God to give us a, a fresh start a fresh perspective a reset 
I'm not going to just say this for the individuals in this room. I'm going to say it as the corporate body. And I say it not just for our local church, but I'd say this as the church of God internationally speaking at seven point or eight, almost 8 million members worldwide now in 185 countries around the world. The church of God needs a reset because we've let some things go too far too long. We need a fresh start. We need a change. I, I'm not saying you throw, I'm not saying you got to go all the way back to the old past completely in terms of, of taking away the multimedia screens and not having instruments in the churches. But I do know the Bible said don't forsake the old past. So if the Bible said that, then he must meant we shouldn't forget about them either. There's that fine line there. And for me personally, and I can't speak for you, one of these things that God is dealing with me on for this 21-day fast as much as I want to see your family saved, I do, and I'm praying for that. As much as I want to see your lost loved ones, spouses, children, grandchildren, be closer to God, get in a relationship with God, be filled with the Spirit of God, that's great. And as much as I want God to help us reach one family, one, one person, one family, one community at a time, and reach disciple and praying, as much as I want that, what I really want more than anything else is I want God's Spirit to be so real again. I don't want to go to church again and it just be... I just was doing something for that day. I don't want church to become an old hat. I don't want it to become just something I do periodically from time to time. It's Sunday. Oh, God, i got to go to church again. It's what I'm supposed to do. That's not what I want. I want the, the Psalmist David experience. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go. That, like Sunday, I'm waiting for Sunday. When it comes Monday morning, I want to be disappointed that i got to wait six more days before I can get back with God. Not that I can't have God in my house with me in my day to, but I want to be with the family of God I want to worship as a family of God together I can't wait for Wednesday night to come or I can't wait for Sunday to come because I want the presence of God to be so real that when we come in this place it doesn't matter if we sing it doesn't matter if we preach God's already here and that's all that mattered that day look if I never preached another message a day of my life behind this pulpit but if God got glorified that's all that matters to me I've said it and I stand by it. God can do more in 15 minutes than I can do in 15 years of preaching to you. It's who He is. In Exodus chapter 34, is where I'm going to read today. I'm going to not read all of these verses. I'm just going to read a section because this is part two of a message we started last week. And I'll jump right into it momentarily. The Bible said, When Moses came down from the mountain called Sinai, he was carrying the tablets of testimony or the law of God in his hands. And Moses did not realize the skin of his face shone while he talked with God. Can I tell you, the longer you spend with God, the world will notice a difference in your life. If the world can't see Jesus in you, chances are you ain't been with Jesus long enough. Hello. That's good preaching even if you don't want to be Pentecostal today. We don't have to like it. But the world should know there's a difference in our lives than in their lives. They should be able to tell a difference. So when he came down, Aaron and the children of Israel saw that his face shone. They were afraid to come near him. And Moses called on them and all the elders of the congregation. And Moses talked to them. Look at what he says in verse 33. When he finished talking, he had to put a veil on his face. For whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he'd take the veil off. He'd become transparent, as I said last week. Moses became undone in God's presence. It would do some of us good to strip away all of the pride and arrogance 
and the things that we're worried about, what the person beside us or to the left of us or to the right of us thinks about us, it would do us good to come into the house of the Lord, the Holy of Holies, and just strip it all off, metaphorically speaking, and become undone before God's presence and say, God, you and I need to have a moment together. I don't care what my friends thinks beside me. I don't care what the preacher thinks about me. When the time comes, God, you and I need to have a moment together. Took the veil off just as he commanded. But when the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, Moses will put the veil back on again until he goes speak with him because Moses had been with God. I started a message last week recapturing the glow. What we need more than anything else is not another sermon and not another song. We need God to meet with us one on one on one on one. We need him to be in church. I don't want to go to church. You can go to church and have the best worship team. Go to church and have the greatest motivational speaker stand behind your pulpit. But if the spirit and the power of an almighty God is not there, all you did was go to a pep talk. All you went is you got a motivational speech and you went to a concert and all you did was go to a social club. But the difference between those churches and the church that I want to be a part of is when God walks in, it doesn't matter if the singing's perfect, doesn't matter if the band's perfect, doesn't even matter if the preacher's perfect because when God walks into the room nothing else matters because God walked into that place that's what matters Heavenly Father to the very best of my ability hide me behind the cross of Calvary and help me to preach your word today and let me speak the words of Christ to the body of Christ today let us not just be hearers of the word but doers thereof likewise let this word resonate, chastise, change, challenge us if necessary. For all of that, we commit to the loving arms of Jesus Christ, our Lord. The people of God together said amen. Amen. You may be seated, those that are standing in the presence of the Lord. I want to talk for just a moment. I won't keep you long today on finishing this, recapturing the glow of God in our lives. We talk about the 40, the number 40 representing a numerical, biblical numerology number of testing and trials and temptations. We talk about, and throughout Scripture we find these various seasons of 40, 40 days, 40 nights, 40 years, and all these things. The first point I brought up to you last week in recapturing the glow is you got to be determined. You have to be determined. You have to be determined. If you want God bad enough, you got to be willing to do whatever it takes to get along with God. That's what fasting and prayer is all about. That's why we're getting ready to go on this 21-day journey together in fasting and prayer. What is it you want God to do? Fasting is not designed to just micromanage or manipulate the hand of God. That's not what fasting is designed to do. But what fasting is designed to do is to separate all the chaos and the distractions and, and you fulfill that time being with the Lord so that God can let you know if there's anything you need to change but in the same token gives you in that close relationship so you can talk to God as one talks with a friend and God can move in a different way in your life. But you have to be determined. Moses was determined. We talked about that God told Moses, I'm going to take you to right here, and then I'm leaving. You're going to take them to the promised land, but I'm abandoning. Moses said, that ain't how this works, God. You don't go, we don't go. And I told you last week, I said, look, it, it, would, be, it would do the church good if, if the fire's not moving, we stay still. And if the cloud's not moving, we stay still. The problem with churches around the world today is they kept moving when God stopped, and they stopped when God kept moving. We don't go unless God goes, and we stay if God stays.
days. If God doesn't show up till 1210, we'll stay till 1210. If God shows up at 1215, I'll stay to 1215. But I won't move until God moves, and I'll stay as long as God stays. That has to be our determining factor in our relationship with God. When we talk about He is determined, we discussed the never quit drive. But today, can I tell you number two? You just can't come into the Holy of Holies any old way either. Now, you may not want to be Pentecostal today and, 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 and amen and shout the preacher down today. That's okay, but I'm going to tell you the truth whether you like it or not today. I ain't even started my 21-day fast, but I'm already feeling real good about it. Because you can't approach the Holy of Holies with a, flip, uh, with a flippant and careless attitude. Because you dropped dead in the presence of God back in the Old Testament. If God still operated like he did in the Old Testament, we'd be shocked at how many people would come to church and drop dead as soon as they stepped out their car. Come on, preacher. We want the singers to be prepared and rehearse and practice and make sure they got it together. We want the pastor to have spent time in prayer and and fasting and reading of his word to give us a word from Almighty God. We want the Sunday school teacher to have prayed, Brother Marion or Sister Sandy or whoever that's teaching. We want them to have spent time with God and to, to give us the word of the Lord. There's only one hiccup with that whole problem. How much did you prepare before you got here? Because I'm here to tell you this morning, it ain't the pastor's responsibility to feed you. I'm supposed to confirm what you've already been eating. I'm only supposed to serve as a dietitian or, a, or a, a nutritionist. I'm just supposed to say, hey, what you ate this week wasn't the best thing. Maybe you should try this food instead. But it is not my job nor any Sunday school teacher's job to spoon feed you and hand it to you. We may give you the hors d'oeuvres. We may give you the appetizer. But you're supposed to take that. You're supposed to go home. You're supposed to read it. You're supposed to dissect it. You should, you, it the only, if the only time you pray is when Brother Randy or Brother Marion stands behind this sacred lectern, that's a problem. If the only time you pray is when I say let's bow our and close our eyes at the end of a sermon that's a problem you should have prayed on Monday whether I was there or not you should have prayed on Tuesday and Thursday and Friday and any other day of the week whether I'm there or your Sunday school teachers there or not there is something to be said about if you if you want to come to church and say pastor I'm I came to church today and I want God to do something great in my life and I I need a miracle and I I need a blessing and I need this and I need that and pastor will you pray today that God will do that it, 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 I almost should be like some people people, I should really just ask you, uh, how much have you prayed about that this week? And how much have you sought God for it this week? Because I'm here to tell you this morning that sometimes people come in with God, some Santa Claus or sugar daddy in the sky or a genie in a bottle that they can just rub him and pat him on the belly and God's going to give them three wishes. God is not a genie in a bottle. He is not your sugar daddy. He is not a Santa Claus in the sky. He is Jehovah. He is God Almighty. He doesn't have to answer me if he doesn't want to. But I, when I come into his presence I should come with thanksgiving in my heart I should come with the fruit of praise on my lips I should come prepared that when I walk through his house on Sunday morning I have heard from God Monday through Saturday and when we all come together in one mind and one accord and uplift the name of Jesus the glory of God the Shekinah glory of God comes down in the house and changes everything around us I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why most churches don't have the Spirit of God moving in church because nobody in the church is preparing for His arrival. So if He showed up, nobody would know what to do because they'd be so caught off guard they wouldn't know what to do next. Preparation. The Bible says in Exodus 34 and 2, when, God, when Moses said, I'm not leaving God without you, the Bible said, God said to Moses, then be ready first thing in the morning. Come up in the morning 
to Mount Sinai, present, notice the words God used in Exodus 34 and 2, present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. That word presents, not like, oh, just come on up here and sit down and grab a cup of coffee. No, 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 no. What God was telling Moses, if you want me to go, then you're going to have to put something in this too. God was real. What he's really saying is, to, and he still says it today, what God's really telling us through that is, if you want something bad enough from God, how much are you willing to work for it to get what you want God to do? If you're not willing to pray about it, fast about it, seek God for it, obviously it is not that important to you. But if your children's salvation or your spouse's salvation or your financial miracle is important enough to you, you'll push back that burger for a day or two. You'll get along with God because nothing else will matter but that. It's how bad do you want it? How hungry are you for it? He said, Moses, if you want me to go, then first thing in the morning, get up and come up to the top of the mountain and present. Make yourself a presentable offering to me up there in the morning. the apostle Paul say present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God for this is your reasonable act of worship we don't come to church because we have nothing better to do we come to present ourselves before an almighty God to say God I want more of you today than I did yesterday there was a process you see too often times people don't want to follow the process they want the instantaneous gratification they don't want to wait for the process to take place when you think look at things like gold and precious metals there's always a refining process when you go out and get that brand new ring or whatever for an anniversary and it's 14 karat gold you just walk in there and hand the lady at Kay's Jewelers the money and she hands it across the counter to you that's great. What you don't know is how much time it took to get it to that point to be used for that purpose. There's somebody somewhere out there that had to take it and put it under extreme heat and melt it down into its purest form. And then when all the impurities of that gold rose to the top, what they call the dross, and it rose to the top after being under extreme heat, they they had to scoop all the impurities off the top and they had to keep skimming it multiple times so that eventually when they got it to that that point of perfection they could present this is pure 14 karat or pure 10 karat whatever gold because it's been purified that word purified they purified it means they put it under extreme heat and duress people say pastor I'm going through a season right now where it just seems like everything's falling apart I can't get relief I can't get an answer I, I feel like I'm literally in the fires and uh, the, the, the trials and fires of life and I, you know what? Thank God for that. What he's doing is he's purifying you. He's removing all the impurities. That's what fasting is. It's, it's, it's being under duress for a season, if you will. And what you're doing is you're purifying yourself so that all the impurities and all the junk can be cleaned out of your body and cleaned out of your spirit and cleaned out of your men- mental state and so that when it's all said and done, you can present yourself before God holy and, bl- and, and blameless and as a spotless lamb of God, a spotless bride, you can present Present God as a perfected and a pure sacrifice of worship. It's a process. Cooking. A good cook, it takes time for the final product to come along. There is a difference between instant mashed potatoes and real mashed potatoes. There is. You can keep you can keep Uncle Ben's all you want to mashed potatoes, but it ain't the same as grandmama's. Because grandmama took those Idaho potatoes. And she had a potato peeler, Brother James, and she peeled them. And then Grandmama 
took a radar. Some of you don't even know what radar is. Took a radar knife, and it was sharp. It cut your hand slap off if you touched it. It was so sharp. She sliced it right down the middle, and you have two halves. Then she'd slice those into, if you will, like strips. And then she'd cube them. And these, she'd just start cubing them. And she thought this was back before God made KitchenAid mixers like Brianna uses now that does all the work for you. That's, that's cheating how that stuff works. You just hit the button and walk away, and it keeps spinning. That's cheap stuff. That stuff don't real. That don't work. Grandmama's, grandmama style, she, sometimes she actually have a masher. They called it a potato masher. You better, you better hope you have good, good elbows and good arm strength because your arm going to be tired after a while because KitchenAid wasn't doing it for you. And they mash it and whip it. Now, some of y'all might do a little different, but grandmama might put a little milk in there, a little sour cream in there, some butter in there, maybe a little salt and pepper in there. You know, and she'd start whisking it together. And she'd stir it and stir it. Eventually, she'd get in the pot, put it on the stove, all that stuff. You could walk in the house, Brother Chris, and, and know it was real even if you didn't even know Grandma cooked it because in your first bite, there's going to be a lump because it don't get out. No matter how much you mashed it, it was still lumpy. Some of us are like that too. It doesn't matter how much weight we try to lose. We still have some lumps. We're still lumpy. We like mashed potatoes. We just keep growing. We taste good, but the lumps just won't go away. You know, more to love. But the reality of it is, you would take that first bite, gravy and all, and you knew it wasn't Uncle Ben's. Because Uncle Ben's was like wallpaper paste. It was so smooth, you could throw it on a wall and just paint over it. No one would ever know that was mashed potatoes you used for that. It was so smooth. That first bite of Grandma's mashed potatoes, it had that little lump, and you were like, Oh, this is real stuff right now. But it took time. It wasn't two minutes in the microwave and just pull back the aluminum foil and serve it on the table. Grandma had to get the potatoes. She had to peel them. She had to mash them. She had to, to prepare prepare it. for certain. It was a difference when you tasted them. But there was an act of preparation that ensued to make it come to fruition. It's the same way in the spirit world and our relationship with God. We can't expect... For God to just give us all the best stuff when we're not prepared for the stuff to arrive. If we're not preparing our hearts, if we're not preparing our spirits for that which he has for us to do. Things in life, some of the best things in our lives only come after times of preparation. You can't become the CEO of the company if you never know how the company works because the company will go belly up. You have to prepare for that. You have to work the lines. You have to continue to work your way up. It might be seasons of bosses you don't like. There might be people on your line you don't like. There might be people you don't get along with. But it's God preparing you for something better down the road. We prepare for job interviews. We pad resumes. We, we fix resumes up. We, we try to get more experience before we apply for a different job because we want it to look good so that if we apply for a new job, it looks like we have experience. And they'll hire us. What are we doing? We're preparing for our future. We're preparing. People go to college. Not you know Some do, some don't. But those that go to college, they're not going to blow money because they got nothing better to do with their life. They're trying to prepare themselves for a job they want or prepare themselves for a future they want. When you go out... All you younger folks that even know what this is, when you go out on dates, you always try to make yourself look good. You're trying to, to make yourself be presentable. You're trying to, you know, maybe you're not like my family. 
it, you know, maybe you can just literally walk in the house and say, hey, let's go eat dinner tonight. And everybody hops in the car and in 10 minutes you're at the restaurant and dinner is ready. Not my family. You ask, are we going to eat? You better ask three days in advance where we're going to eat on Friday night because you won't be there in time. They'll be closed before you figure out what restaurant you're headed to. In fact, I have a little wheel that has to spin that goes around with various restaurants just to tell us because we don't know where we're going next. And so it peels and it just, yeah, it lands on Chick-fil-A. I said, God bless you. We're headed to Chick-fil-A. That's where we're eating tonight, you know. But, but, but there's time. If I. something to eat here real good and you know what our line is well I can't I can't do anything until I know where we're going and I'm like what do you mean you can't do anything we're, I want to leave well I got to know where we're going because it's going to depend on what I wear are you what if we're going to Chick-fil-a I can just wear my you know little you know lounging pants and my little baggy sweatshirt but if we're going to Texas Roadhouse I got to take four hours 36 minutes and eight days to get ready because we're going to go eat Texas Roadhouse I got to touch up my makeup. Babe, you literally just put on your makeup literally two hours ago. I know, but that's two hours not too long. I got to make sure it's still fresh. L listen, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to eat my rolls at Texas Roadhouse. But what she's, what she's really saying to me is, babe, I got to prepare myself depending on where we're going. If we come to God's house, we should not come just in our metaphorical sweatpants and baggy sweatshirts. We should come presenting our best before God. And I'm not just talking about the way you dress. That's between you and God. That's not what I'm here preaching today. I'm talking about spiritually speaking. We shouldn't come to God just in just a flippant way. We should be coming to God prepared. God, I, did, I knew I was coming to meet you today just like me and Brianna, going, or Brianna and I going on a date. If I say, Brianna, we're going to, to you know, Texas Roadhouse. She's going to doll herself up. She's going to look great. We're going to Texas Roadhouse. She's not going to go looking like she just got off of work and fell out of the backside of a dump truck somewhere. She's not going to go that way. I should come to church the same way. I know I'm coming to meet with the King of kings and I know I'm coming to meet with the Lord of Lords the Alpha the Omega the beginning I shouldn't come walking in here just any old way just something I should walk in and say God I will humble myself before you but I come prepared and ready to meet with God himself I should come prepared to meet with God I would say to you there should be as much preparation that goes on in our worship as it goes on in the sermon that the preacher preaches you say what's that supposed to mean preacher you get paid to preach. No, I get paid because that is what God called me to do. But it's not about being paid to preach the gospel. It's about doing other things. But my job is not, and, and, and Brother Marion and others to teach, and Brother Randy, it is not our job to be the only sustaining life source of food you get through that week. Our job is just to whet the appetite for you to go home and cook it and marinate it, saturate it, and eat on it for the remaining portion of that week. So there's a preparation there's also a time of separation. That's what fasting does to us. Fasting is literally saying, God, I am going to give up something. I'm going to set it aside so that you and I have this moment of time. God, instead of eating cube steak and gravy at lunch today, God, I'm going to push the plate back and I'm going to get in your word and I'm going to spend it with you. God, instead of having the cups of coffee at 7 o'clock every morning to survive the day, I'm going to get up 
And I'm going to read my Bible during that window and pray nobody talks to me before 11. Hello, that's good preaching. Even if it is for, even if that was for my wife. She already said she's going to probably give up sweets and coffee. And I thought to myself, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to talk to you for 21 days. That's danger zone for me. I'm like, God, can we pick out something else for her to fast? I want to live these 21 days. Like, you know. But the reality of it is, in times of our lives, when we want something with God enough, we have to be willing to put everything around us away and get along with Him. The Bible says that Moses... When he was getting ready to go up that morning, here's what God said, Exodus 34 and 3. I read to you 32, but the 34 and 2 that he told Moses, present yourself to me tomorrow. But in verse 3, he says this to Moses, let no man come up with you. And let no man be seen throughout the mountain trying to get up here. Neither let the flocks nor the herds before the mountain. What he said to Moses is, you come, but come alone. Don't bring the wife, don't bring the kids, don't be the grandkids, don't bring the job. Don't, don't. What he was telling Moses, you need to leave all distractions and hindrances behind because if you really want me and you to have a moment, you've got to let everything else go for that moment. You walk into church on Sundays or you walk into your prayer closets on Mondays, there are times in your life, the spouse, the children, the grandchildren, the job, that you love them, yes. You, they mean a lot to you, yes. But there comes a point even in our lives, sometimes everybody else has to be away. We have to just get away, away from the distractions, lock ourselves alone. No, let nothing else but us and God be together in that moment. Because it's hard to really hear from God when little Johnny is screaming to the top of his lungs in the next room over, Mama, Mama, Daddy. It's hard to see, really hear from God because all you hear is little Johnny not being quiet long enough for you to hear from God. When the spouse is in the room asking you 30 questions, you're reading your Bible or you're praying and they're like, hey, you got a minute? Hey, you got a minute? Hey, can I talk to you for a minute? Hey, you got a minute? It's like, you know, I, I, I was reading, you know, the word of the Lord. Yeah, I know, but you can come back to that. You got a minute? It's hard. So sometimes you have to get away from everybody. It's not that you are being rude, but you want to hear from God. You want a touch from God. Our lives are already chaotic enough. <laughs> Hello? I mean... Maybe yours aren't, but mine sure is. If you don't think life is chaotic, I'll give you a six-year-old for a week. You talk to me about it when that week's over. I'll give you a six-year-old and a wife for a week, and I'll let you talk about it and tell me if that week's over. My wife will tell you she'll give you a six-year-old and a pastor, and don't send him back. And she'll tell you what life is like, chaotically speaking. Life is chaotic. There's things always happen. Some of us play travel ball. We're traveling and playing sports. We're in wrestling competitions. Our jobs are demanding. Some of us in this room, our jobs are demanding. It, it takes us from here to there, night shift, day shift, you know, weekend shift. Constant. Life is chaotic. And if we're not careful, the devil will use that to keep us from God. The devil will use the things that are the chaos of your life to keep you from getting along with God. You see, God is our creator. He knows how we are made up. He knows that distractions happen. Some of us in this room, we are we've not been diagnosed, but some of us in this room are ADHD. We just are. We may not take Ritalin. We may not be on any kind of medicines for that. But if you ask anybody, they would say, oh, they definitely are ADD and ADHD. I have never been diagnosed with it, but I'm pretty much probably on every spectrum there is of that, of that, that diagnosis. The only difference between me and an ADD patient is I can 
eventually calm myself down without medicine. Some other people need it. But you ask my wife, uh, I'm, I'm pretty ready to go when I'm ready to go. I mean, I'm, I'm a go-getter when it comes to that. So, so I don't have the diagnosis, but my life is chaotic enough as it is, and God knows that. And he knows that unless I go into an office, I go to my house in a prayer closet and shut the door, and I basically leave my cell phone out in the room, other room, leave the computer in the other room, and the only thing I go in that room with is either with this, not even this, because this has internet capabilities, and my mind will be like, oh, you know what, I forgot. You know, and I'll, If I don't go into a room with just this or with absolutely nothing but just my heart, he knows that it's not going to go well because my, my mind's going to just be at 100 miles an hour. So for someone like me, during 21 days, I can't sit there and just sit in the room beside Brianna and be praying and reading my Bible in the same room with her. She can, won't speak, and she'll be fine. Her and God probably have already figured out the entire world's problems because she could care less if I say anything because she hears me talking now. She's like, oh, God, thank you. He's not talking right now. Not for me, though, because if I'm sitting in that room, I'm going to be, hey, babe, what you doing? You reading your Bible? What you reading? I'm just, I'm just trying to read. Oh, anything good? I was just reading, babe. Oh, yeah. Hey, what are we going to do about dinner later? See, my mind is gone. <laughs> just gone. It's on a far, far away journey and never came back. Just gone. So I have to get me. I have to make sure nothing's around me. I have to put the phone in a different room. I have to not take anything that has capabilities to search or read or whatever. I have to take an old-fashioned Bible. And I mean, I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. I mean one that... It's not on my phone, one that I have to actually open it up and know where it's located in the Bible. Because if I don't do that, I'm going to be distracted. I have to separate myself from the cares and the noise of the world. Miss Carol, as you make your way. I remember reading a church sign one time that this church was talking about they wanted their own identity. They were tired of being identified with other churches similar to them in town. So they wanted their identity. They wanted their own autonomy. They were leaving a previous church. It was a church split, and they were leaving a previous church, and they didn't, they didn't want to lose the identity because they still believed in the beliefs of the church. They just couldn't get along with the other people in the church. But they still wanted everybody in town to know that they still were of a certain identity of faith without them knowing they were part of the same church. So to enshrine and capture the idea, they named their church the original church number two. Think about that for a minute. They named their same, the same name as the original church, the original church, but number two. It would be like if we had a group here that liked the beliefs of Santee Circle Church of God, the Church of God, but instead of becoming, you know, some other, you know, fellowship or praise Church of God, they went out across the street and started Santee Circle Church of God, number two. <laughs> it's kind of a conflict of interest there, you know, identity crisis. They wanted the separation, but they still wanted the attachment in the same heart. See, God, when God wants us to separate, He doesn't want to separate us to separate from our chaotic life and life of sin and still hold on to the things that we can't let go of. God wants us to let it go so that we can be alone with Him. You can't hold on to your sin and expect God to do what you want Him to do in your life at the same time. Something has to give and something has to go. It's called being separated. In the church world, we teach that as sanctification. We don't like that word. It is that living a holy and separated life to God. Separation, if you will. We all suffer from this idea of 
the tyranny of the urgent, meaning we're always on the go, trying to get something. We're always fighting. Everything in our life is always fighting for our attention. If you don't believe it, just look around, observe people. There's always something trying to vie for your attention. A child, a spouse, a love, something's always going to try to get your attention. If there's ever anything positive that came out of COVID, I'm not saying a lot was positive, but if there was ever anything positive that came out of COVID, one of the things that I think it taught us is even when you're separated from people, you can learn to survive. It's hard. It's not fun. It's not enjoyable. But it's doable. It can be done. I know we are people that like fellowship because we're made in the image of God. But it proved that separation can sometimes be positive, not always negative. Because for some of you in this room during that time where you're quarantined for 10 days, even though you're not sick, you just were exposed, you got a lot of projects done around your house you've been putting off for five years. Because you couldn't go nowhere because the office was shut down. You couldn't go to work. Walmart was shut down. You couldn't even go get groceries and burn, you know, burn gas and stuff going to Walmart 15 times a day. You had to be stuck at home, and your spouse was getting on your nerves, so you had to find their project so they wouldn't get on your nerves anymore. You got stuff done. You've always wanted to get done. You know why? Because COVID stopped everything for a moment for us all. It made life, if you will, be on pause. I remember when I COVID first hit, we all were segre- uh, quarantined and segregated for those couple months, and we were doing church online. Yeah, I hated it. Boy, I was stir crazy. I was like a cat trapped in a cage and couldn't get out. It was horrible. I used to just drive around town just to go creeping on other people's houses see if they were out in their yards and say hello. I mean, I'd stay six feet apart and roll down my window, but at least I could say hello. The reality of it is I would go, but there were projects in my house. I was bored, so since a while I started painting things in my house that I needed to paint that I hadn't painted yet because I had nothing else to do. Bought the paint six years ago. Still never opened it. Might as well stir it up and see what color it is today. And we're getting a new accent wall, babe. It was originally green, but I think now it's like, I don't even know what color, but it's going to be a cool color when I'm done. You know, but it got me to do things because I couldn't do nothing else. My life was on a pause. It was like a reset. I got to get things done I hadn't normally done. We are not careful. Life will always keep us busy overlook things that are essential and important. If you're not careful, the enemy will keep you busy so that you and God don't have moments of a long time and standstill time. My challenge to you, we'll finish the last part of Moses' story next week. My challenge to you as the body of Christ today is this. If you do decide to go on this journey of 21 day fasting with us, don't let it be just for dietary purposes to shed some pounds. It's not the point. Use it as a means or a mechanism to shut everything down around you for a moment, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, a half an hour, whatever you're given. Just shut it down so that you and God are the only thing that matters in that moment. Separate everything. Now, if you know the husband or the wife's going to come at you with a thousand questions, just say, from 7 to 7.30, don't bother me. From 11 to 12, don't call. Send me a text. I'll get to it, but I'm not going to answer. Whatever it means, but get along with God because every one of us, if we're truthfully honest today, we 
have things in our lives we really need God to intervene and move on right now. Every one of us in this room could probably think right now in a moment like that, something we need God to do for us or need God to move on our behalf. But I pose the question in closing, as I said earlier today, how bad, how desperate do you want it? How much are you willing to give up for it? What are you willing to do? How much are you willing to prepare for it? How much are you willing to to give God in response to that? Moses was told, prepare yourself, get up in the morning, present yourself to me, and come along. How many of us today are willing to say, God, I'm willing to present myself as a holy sacrifice, pleasing unto you, and willing to say, God, I'll push everything else aside so that only you and I have this moment together. With every head bowed and every eye closed, this service today before I send you out of this place with this question. First and foremost, I always ask, no one here knows Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I'd like to make sure that they're in the right fellowship with God.